Good morning. You are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Sunday morning. Uh, welcome. It feels like it's been a very long week, but it's only been seven days since you last heard me. Lucky you. This is a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people. People in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy is with local woman Victoria Brown, who I met post-Sand Foundation Race for Life, a woman who places being kind to yourself and getting priorities in life right above some of the more distracting rabbit holes of life. Victoria has a jewellery business called Bodicia Brown and a journal where she blogs about her relationship with bipolar and cancer. Neither of these issues define Victoria, but there's a willingness to share her story to support with others who may be experiencing similar situations. Welcome to Stay in the Loop with Lucy, Victoria. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really good to be here. It's lovely to have you. And it is lovely to um, have you croaky voice and all. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't <clears throat> sound like my normal self. So please bear with me. Um, but I'm really glad that I was able to to come and see you despite having a bit of a croaky voice. It's pretty impressive. So honey at the ready. Yes, definitely <laughs> lots of honey. Now, um you weren't always making jewellery and writing blogs. You were in the corporate world when you first started. Is that right? Yeah, I guess like, um, you know, a, a lot of people out there, I um, I uh, went to uni and I went travelling and I got to Australia and I thought I'm never going home. And, and then I realised that um, I needed to get myself a job and uh, sort of spent the next sort of decade, if you like, being in that corporate environment and just really um, trying to build a career um, in in that what I would call the the hamster the, the hamster wheel that is the corporate corporate world yeah. um, and work for a number of different companies and there were elements of it that I was good at and elements of it that I was not very good at at all. Um, and so before I had kids. I, I sort of knew that how was well I had the question how was I ever going to be able to fulfill the needs of the the corporate requirements and then also be a mum and and I guess be the best that I could be in amongst all of that mm. and um, that always felt like a really difficult challenge to to face and I think in today's society it, it it's you know we we're not like we were 30 40 years ago where mums could could potentially stay at home with the kids unfortunately yeah. we've not some of us don't have that choice and we have to we have to work yeah. um and that's the reality of of society today that's and how living expenses they just don't allow for oh. you know one parent to to be solely responsible for caring for the children absolutely so i think that the the way that we do things and the and the way that you know we i believe in a way that our generation are like the pioneers of having it all because 
no one before us has had to do work, kids, and, and all the other things that we have to do. Um, My and husband I- always says, you're never thanked for either, either. Um, so <laughs> for, uh, you know, when, when a woman's at work, she feels guilty for not being at home. And when she's right. at home, she feels guilty for not being at work. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought and, he was a champion for saying yeah, that. Yeah, you either you you are kind of you're not a master or no. a, a, any of them, and you just yeah, the guilt associated with any of them is is it can be soul destroying. It yeah. absolutely can. Yeah, we do have to address that, don't we? Because it, we we you know we have to make a choice where we are is where we are, and then just embrace that moment, and then you know you go into your next moment. But it, it, permanently feeling guilty, oh, that's that's mm. just destroying for the mental health. Mm. Now, that actually leads on quite well because mental health did break down a little bit for you, didn't it? You started to discover things that maybe you didn't expect or know. Absolutely. Um, You know, and and I've been on a pretty phenomenal journey if I think about my mental health. But um, in in 2008, I had my, I guess, my first... um, uh, a breakdown if you like mm-hmm. and um i was uh found myself in a psychiatric ward and it was the most you know horrendous experience but um what i realized now looking back was that was the beginning of a journey for me that has taken 10 years for me to 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 really dissect my life and change the way I'm doing things. Um, I, as part of having children, I, I realised um, that, you know, the corporate thing, while it pays the bills, it, it just, it wasn't necessarily going to suit me and who, who, I, who I am. Mm. So I, I had a look at um, starting Bodicea and it originally started as a, um, just a jewellery e-commerce website um, and something that I would be able to do while at home and with the kids around. Um, but, you know, life takes over and at, at some point I had to, you know, actually go back to work. Um, and it wasn't till about two years ago that I went to a self-development course that I, I suddenly had that epiphany that I was like, if I don't share this part of me and who I am and start a dialogue around mental health and around not just my issues, but just you know, not be afraid to tell people and not mm-hmm. be afraid to put it out there. It will have the power to control and define me. Mm-hmm. And this is not, I don't want that to be the case anymore. And so when I'd got to that point, it was this, it was this situation where I knew that I was on the brink of that kind of change and it was extremely frightening you know to tell people I have bipolar that's really frightening really frightening what's people what are they going to think who's people aren't going to want to talk to me people are going to shun me and all those stigmas sounds like that's what you were saying to yourself about yourself as well absolutely Mm. and just people will think I'm they won't like me anymore they won't want to you know just all of those aspects and then Within six months, that's when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. Two right on top of each other. And it was then that I went, if I don't use this as my 
opportunity to say I've got bipolar and I've been diagnosed with breast cancer then I those mental and physical illnesses may possibly end my life Hmm. and I remember writing a um, Facebook closed group because I, 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 I was just sitting lying in bed going, I've got breast cancer. How do I tell everyone? Because I need the support. It wasn't that I wanted to tell the world, but how do I tell my family and my really yes. close friends? Yes. And then I realised I'm just... I'm going to have to write it in a, a Facebook group. That was the only way that I could do it because to tell someone over the phone was was mentally exhausting for me. Yeah. And it was it was selfish, really, but I, I just wanted to say what I wanted to say and then I could deal with talking to people individually afterwards. Yes, yes. So I wrote this incredibly... Um, four o'clock in the morning, it was, post, and it basically said, I've got bipolar, and by the way, two days ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and... This is the beginning of a journey, but I will fight the fight and I want you to know. That went from about 20 people to, in 18 months, there were around 400-ish people on that group. And I, I shared and blogged my whole cancer journey, but it wasn't just cancer. It was my it, the stuff that was going on in my head mm. while I was going through that journey. And at first it was a way to just let people know that I love and they you know that 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 what was going on and then it became really obvious that this was actually resonating with people and it was helping people and all of a sudden I was getting an influx of messages and from friends saying you know they were sharing the most intimate details I've had you know I had a heart attack at the age of 35 and I've been suffering from depression and I haven't told anybody but now because of what you've done and what you've said I've shared it with my family they had no idea um there were people who got in contact and said I had never even considered about breast cancer I've been to the doctors and I got myself checked based on what you were telling us and I found a lump and while that's horrific I'm so pleased that that they would never have gone if I hadn't have, you know, if they hadn't have read what I had written. Mm. So Bodiceer Brown became this place that was about being kind to yourself and about treating yourself or some, you know, or somebody special. And it was about life is better with friends. And it's about if we don't look after and what's us, what's inside our heart and our guts, it, nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to feel right. So I'm still learning and I'm still developing and I feel like Bodice has gone from something that was just a jewellery website to this enormous, exciting thing. So I'm still learning how it's all going to pan out and I guess what's really become clear is my vision in life now is what if I could leave this world with 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 society having less of a stigma on mental health than it has today Hmm. and that just that makes the hairs on the back of my neck (laughs) stand up and I I just hope that that resonates with other people and I hope that 
by me saying I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to tell you this is what I have, that someone else might do the same and then they might be able to get the help and the support and the guidance and the management and someone to hold their hands through what they might be facing. Did you find that you got the support from the medical or the um, psychiatric teams once once that you know you you knew what your diagnosis was did it help because sometimes people say I felt such extreme emotions I didn't know what was going on one minute I was feeling very low the next minute I was manic um, and both felt very real Mm. but both kind of negated each other so I just thought that that was normal and yet when they finally got a diagnosis they although it actually has its consequences because it is lifelong medication, isn't it? It's it, um, yeah. Bipolar is very difficult, if impossible, to reverse as far as we're aware at the moment. Yeah. Um, so w- did you find that you got good support once you found out? Um, my answer is yes. I have a really, I believe, a really good support system, whether that be um, professional or personal support. Mm. Um, but I think that's the challenge with mental health is that it's up to the individual to do that because you can see a psychiatrist and they might be able to medicate you and you could see a psychologist and they can help you figure out your thought process and you, uh, might be able to, you might be lucky enough to have some really supportive friends But ultimately, you are your biggest advocate and you need to strive. And I guess you need to um, when you and that's the difficulty with mental health is because it is in your head and it takes over your life. Mm. It is very, then very difficult to then step back from it and say, what is my goal and my plan here? Mm. It's not like if you break your arm or you have a a physical ailment, you then have right. These are the things and the experts I need to go and and have all these, you know, medical opinions. And then you suddenly find yourself surrounded by experts who are dealing with your broken arm and your joint and they're putting you back together. And so, you know, you know, physiotherapists and and, and, um, surgeons and whoever it might be. But when it's your mind... It's so much more tricky, isn't it's it? Re- because I... At what point is my thought process normal? I say that in quotation Bunny marks. Yeah. Bunny is. It's hard to do on the radio. <laughs> what, at what point, and who, what point is it normal versus I'm actually falling into some bipolar type traits and then so I've got my opinion of it at the time but I'm in it yes and then if I speak to my health professionals they might say one of them might say well actually I think you're severely unwell you need to do this and you might go and speak to another health professional and they'll say actually in the context of everything that you're facing right now Mm. everything you're feeling is completely normal yes And the reason it's so overwhelming and you're struggling right now is because you don't have the support. Yeah. What a difference. mm, And I, I find it's just really... It's 
uh, it's empowering if you can get to that point. But that takes, I think, an incredible amount of insight into your own illness. Mm. And unfortunately, with mental health, for the beast that it is and also because this is what society dictates is that it's not something that we should be talking about and it is so shameful and we're so frightened of it that people are not able to be empowered about what they can and can't do and it's almost because it's mental health it's so easy in some ways for you to feel like your rights have been taken away from you because Mm. people are making decisions for on your behalf Mm. because it's your thoughts and your brain and your it's what's happening inside your head and we know so little about that on one level totally so you were talking about uh, empowering which i think is a a great way to do it how how can you be the change you're with yourself 24 hours a day you see someone for maybe an hour are there some of the some things in your the way you're living that you've changed in order to give yourself a foundation of support for those episodes um, I, I mean, I can feed you one of them, which would be, you know, exercise, bringing some kind of yep. um, exercise into your day to day. There are, um, you know, there are a number of things that I guess the self-care piece, there's a yeah. number of things being kind to yourself, self-care, you know, um, diet, exercise, sleep, um, uh, you know, uh, girl go and have lunch with a girlfriend and that whole being kind to yourself is is I'm trying to educate myself and hopefully educate people along the way I'm also my worst enemy when it comes to when the wheels start to fall off Mm. you know the first thing that goes out the hat I I, I'm like I can't put you know I'm struggling to just get stuff organized so I can get a decent dinner on the table because the kids are screaming and they're sick this week yeah I haven't had a chance to get to Woolies and then and then you know and then you know I I woke up on Monday thinking I'm going to go for a run this week and it's Friday and I still haven't been and and so life takes over and and I am not perfect and I have not and I'm not going to sit here and say to you these are the things that I do and I do them every week and they work really well I know what it is that I need to do um and I'm still learning um but it it and I think that's the that's the difficulty with mental health is that you are on a big roller coaster you know one week you might go yep I'm this is I can do this and so you can fit in those things and the next week it's just so chaotic because life is chaotic yeah that you can't you you just it does it falls by the wayside um but there is definitely um a huge piece around building in some essential pieces exercise nutrition time out being kind to yourself Mm. some proper self-care that you need to do every day even um that is is absolutely essential i mean one of my uh, one thing i will do and always do is if it's all too much i will go and get a cup of tea and it sounds like the smallest thing oh no and i will just go and disappear and go just sit down and and every night yeah Every night, I always read my book, and my yeah. book is a fictional book, so I can just lose myself in something other than my life, mm-hmm. and that's my little thing. Mm-hmm. So. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Well, perfect time to 
go to some music and uh, today we're going to have a featured album all of our songs are going to come from sounds of the soul you're listening to stay in the loop with lucy this morning my guest in the studio is victoria brown welcome victoria hey. we have been talking about uh well, the last section really spoke about the the early um, times and finding out that there was uh, bipolar in the mix and a diagnosis of breast cancer. So two very big things which sparked um, Victoria to really expand Bodicea Brown to become this amazing blogging site, which we're going to talk about later but the original diagnosis she let her friends and family know via a facebook a closed facebook group i'd love to talk about how people respond in times when people don't always understand how to respond because sometimes it brings up a fear in themselves of being vulnerable and being intimate and not being able to go to that place in themselves you had the experience of some people who were very able to and others who weren't. Would you share with us a little bit about what it felt like to be on the receiving end of that? Because I think when people get a diagnosis and they have to share it with friends, they end up being a counsellor to the people who actually should be supporting them. Uh, there's some really good points in what you've just said there. And... Um, uh, the first thing that struck me early on in the days was I was completely floored that the amount of just pure love that came from everyone. I mean, it just... Stunning. And I have never experienced anything like that. It makes me feel incredibly humbled and emotional because I actually didn't realise the amount of people that cared about me and my family. So just from a totally personal perspective it was the strength that I got because people just all they you know some people all they had to write was I'm just thinking of you and I'm I'm just sorry or just uh, three kisses you know was their comment that's the beauty of Facebook is everyone can just write comments and there would just be lots and lots and lots and lots of comments and it was just encouragement and love and we have you and we're there for you. And, and even though I may never have picked up the phone and spoken to that person, I just, I knew somewhere in the world that I was thinking of them and they were thinking of me at that current moment in time. And that gave me the most amazing amount of strength and I can't underestimate. So, you know, from that, my advice would be if, if you ever, if, if you as a person know someone else who's going through, you know any life changing it doesn't have to be cancer and bipolar but anything you just saying to them i'm here for you even if you don't know what to say even mm. if you don't know how to be there for them i'm here for you or i'm thinking about you my god it just means so much so mm. much um i did also um sort of as it developed um there were also other people who told me some really intimate things about the you know the the devils that they were facing and again I felt really it was really honored and privileged that they felt they could 
talk to me about that and and I didn't have the I don't have the qualifications to to fix them you know I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist I'm not a doctor I'm not you know I'm not a medical professional but because I shared what I shared and I put it all out there and was vulnerable and and just said you know what this is how it is and it's awful but I just want you to know because I just I just have to tell you and if you want to hear it you can and if you don't then if you don't want to be a part of this group that's fine I'm not offended if you if you decide to leave the group not a problem at all but for those of you who want to hear this is this is it like and the amount of other people who just wrote to me privately or phoned me or whatever just to say some of the again life-changing events that they were facing and that they too got strength from I guess the community that was being built and so it started to feel obviously as I said before a lot bigger than just I'm dealing with cancer Hmm. um but there were and and from a practical point of view I mean my husband and I were so humbled as I went through surgery and I couldn't you know the kids weren't with us because we I had to um we had to uh, send them to our in-laws so we could, or my in-laws so we could uh, I could recover from the surgery that I had to do and you know there were people that I don't even have their phone numbers in my phone I don't even know their surnames and yet they would they did a meal roster for three weeks and they drop meals off and they just text and just say wow. I didn't want to bother you it's just it's on the doorstep wow and I would be like I remember, like, even now I can feel myself welling up because I will never be able potentially to repay that person. But I hope one day I can, you know, pay it forward and I can can do the same for somebody else somewhere else. I don't know where or when, but, you know, but hopefully... um, And having said that, I've I've got other friends who've, been diagnosed since I've been diagnosed and they are a year behind me in their journey mm. and they've shared with me and and it's, it's actually been really really nice to be able to go okay so from a practical point of view I'm going to help you with this 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 and this and yes. then from a emotional point of view I recommend this 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 and this yes and then it was you know that was that was really um that mean I could help I, I was helping somebody but there were people who found the whole thing extremely confronting and and that's okay because it was confronting my blogs are not for the faint-hearted if you want some you know they they aren't light, light-hearted because what I'm the subject matters that I've been talking about are heavy they're full-on they are emotional they are from the heart they are raw they are you know I'm not I'm not gonna really what I'm not going to put it into a wishy-washy mm. it is how it is yeah and for some people, because they too are facing their own um, demons, it brought up a lot of stuff for them. And the end result was, um, I, I remember one particular friend who I love dearly, and uh, but our friendship, unfortunately, it, it it was we weren't able to continue. Because it was just the journey I was on was too... It, it brought up a lot of stuff for that person and I totally understand that. And so they had to step away. And while that was incredibly painful because, you know, we lost each other as friends and we are still friends, but we lost for the moment. 
that closeness yeah we've just got to let it go just just for the moment and maybe it will come back maybe it won't but yeah and that that the time i i really struggled to get my head around that and now i see it as a it's it's okay like i get it and and that's that's you're on your journey and i'm on mine and our paths may cross they may not but i i wish you well and i wish you love and and i know that they wish the same for me so in one of your blogs you talk about the importance of that connection and how it really how it really helped um you spoke about when you going through a bad patch the one thing that you don't feel you can do is organize anybody else because you know that you can you just shut down and, and you close off but actually that time with other people is 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 a great healer mm. um sharing and letting other people share so it's like letting people in but also letting your love out mm-hmm. it's a two-way street isn't it absolutely and you know i think if you are prepared uh, and you don't have to have mental health you know um challenges to benefit from this but i think if you are willing to take that leap of faith and share something with somebody then i think it it can have a, a massive positive effect on 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 how close you feel with somebody how connected you are the fact that you know if someone else just understands where yeah. you're coming from all of a sudden it it seems manageable Mm. i can deal with this Mm. sometimes it's not about the solution it's just i just want someone else to understand just for five minutes what what's happening after the um, break we're going to talk about your blogs and there's one blog in particular which i won't i'll just plant the seed but i'm not actually going to tell them what it is it's a very personal blog for someone who's um had or has had breast cancer we're going to go there. Don't you touch that dial. <laughs> we are getting up close and personal with Victoria Brown. Welcome, Victoria. Hey, Lisa. It's been lovely talking to you this morning because there has been a real... There, you've, you've walked your talk in terms of the fragility and the vulnerability you've shared with us in a way that we can understand and connect to. And I, it's refreshing because so often... We don't go there. We don't have those conversations. And yet then everyone feels like something's missing or that they're the different one. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we can talk about some of the uglier sides of our mental health that aren't really ugly, they just simply are uh, and where we're struggling, then from my experience, working together and working with groups and getting the help when we need it, it actually makes it okay. You know, it's it's much more manageable and much more, we actually turn it into a positive. So one of the ways that you have done that is blogging. And I had great fun reading a lot of your blogs. Um, I read a lot of them all in one go because I was researching for the show. So it was lovely just going and find, finding which ones um, caught my attention. And one in particular will be relevant to anybody who has had a diagnosis of breast cancer or has had to face uh, a mastectomy and has actually considered reconstruction. Now, I will say no more. 
talk me through your blog. <laughs> or let's let's let the re- listeners read the blog themselves. Talk us through your experience because it has color and humor and uh, and and valuable information for anyone who is potentially having to go down that road. It's um so yeah, I I wrote a I wrote a blog around what it was like to have new boobs and I guess to let people know um you know what I called it my new equipment. I it because my body had changed so dramatically um but there were some aspects to it where once I started having a chat with my girlfriends um, you know, they, they, all these questions came out and people wanted to know all these details. And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't, I thought, oh, actually, if I, I'll just write this all down because there's a lot of unknowns out there and I think there's a lot of fear. And and actually, the experience that I have had with my new equipment has been really, really positive. Um, so I guess from a medical point of view, I'll give you a little bit of background. Yes, okay. yes. Um so I was, uh, as I said, diagnosed with um, uh, breast cancer. I had two lumps in one breast. And so um, I, and they were in two very different locations in the one breast. So uh, I did have the option for what they call a lumpectomy or I had uh, lots of different options. But the one I went for in the end was, was a double mastectomy and reconstruction. And I guess before I go into kind of my new boobs, one thing to remember with something like breast cancer is that it is obviously so personal and it is one of uh from what i've seen and read and and have experienced and with all the experts that i've spoken to and and what have you it is one of those unusual cancers in that um you are as a patient given a myriad of options because it is such a personal thing you know uh it's not like a piece of cancer that might be inside your body and it needs to be cut out and removed but actually that's inside your body this is something that can um you know it it could affect the way you feel or look about yourself it it has so many other psychological connotations in terms of your you know your your uh, the way you view yourself from a, a sexual point of view, the way you look at yourself in the mirror, your body image. Uh, this is this 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 there's a sometimes a, it defines us as a woman, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, uh, I read somewhere a quote that someone said, "I'm so far down this process, I've lost both my boobs and my uterus. I'm now, you know, I'm not far away from being an it," because oh. that's how horrific it it felt for that particular person Mm. which is you know completely understandable Mm. so I guess I wanted to shed a little bit of you know I didn't really go into it with an objective that I wanted everyone to kind of go yay this is the best thing to do but it was more this is my experience so and I had some funny things happen like I decided I wanted to for me it was really important that when I went for my um reconstruction I uh, one of the reasons I did it and there was no medical reason for me to lose my other breast the reason I wanted to do it was because I wanted to be symmetrical and at the time I was like oh that sounds really vain and superficial and oh my god what are people going to think and then I thought oh no actually that's really important to me Mm -hmm. I don't want to be 
you know, I was 40 last year. I don't want to... I'll I'll have one that's pinky and one that's, you know, droopy. And I didn't <laughs> I didn't want this situation. And I thought, well, okay, I'll see it as an overhaul and I'll go in and right, they're both coming off and I'm getting a new pair and yeah. off I go. And it's, you know, um and I'm taking control of it. Yes. Um but then when I actually got them and it was it was so um you know, I got home and I obviously had to go through all the, the uh, recovery and what have you. But once I'd recovered and I got to the point where I was going to be wearing bras again, I, I obviously went to put on my old bras, which I knew that potentially that wasn't going to work. But I had a, quite a few in my wardrobe that I had only just, because my youngest was only 18 months, so I'd only just got back to kind of post baby breastfeeding kind of size yeah and I was just ready to you know crack on with this is my body after that and then obviously cancer occurred and so I had to throw them all away and start again oh my lord um and um you know and at first it's like right you need to go and get like proper proper um you know mastectomy type bras and Mm. they're not they're not nice to look at. Really? They're not. They're, they're big. They're, some of them are. Some 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 are okay. There was a bit of research I had to do. Um, but the biggest piece is they don't move. They are sewn. I have a bit of... Let me just clarify. <laughs> it's the breasts we're talking about because the brow would be okay not moving. We're talking yeah. that the breasts don't move. The breasts, it doesn't move. So, uh, you know, I've now got two lumps of silicone in my chest that have been sewn in permanently. So, let's rewind. Let's reset the scene. You wrote a blog about um, breast reconstruction. It was, it's a, it's a conversation that is really important to have because, as you say, a lot of people have to consider this, but they don't realise life after and what that might be like. So um, before we go back to talking about what it's like to to move and how they move or don't move, as we might have just picked <laughs> up by now, can you tell us what? how did they, they cut underneath, don't they? They cut underneath and then there is a... A question about whether or not you can even keep the nipple section mm-hmm. too, which I didn't realise. And of course, it depends where the cancer is, set, um, mm-hmm. is set as to what you can keep and what you can't. Now, your blog goes into that in a lot more detail, mm-hmm. but you also show a picture of six or seven women mm-hmm. who've who are bare chested who've mm-hmm. shown what what it's like and mm-hmm. how they've reclaimed their chests. Mm-hmm. You didn't decide, you decided to have reconstruction mm-hmm. um, and you decided that you'd write what I can only call as a very funny blog about your first run. Perhaps you could tell us about that. Sure. So um, as part of my recovery, I realised that I needed to uh, do some exercise and we've talked about self-care earlier and all that sort of stuff. And I remember putting on my new sports bra because I couldn't fit into my old one. (laughs) And I went for this very gentle walk slash jog and it was the weirdest sensation because how my body was before, so, you know, 
depending on how big or small your breasts are, when you run, they generally run sort of move They generally move-ish, yeah. Move. They might not move with you, but they, they move a lot, right? <laughs> and the idea is, is you're wearing a sports bra so they don't move. That's right. But when you've got them sewn into your muscle wall, they don't move. It's the most bizarre thing. So it's like, I, it, it, so they're there. Yeah. But then... Yeah, so I would move my shoulders and my pumping my arms and I didn't have the counteracting boob movement wow. <laughs> that I would have had before. Um, just silly things like the seatbelt in the car, oh, yeah. it just feels different. And um, <laughs> there's... Um, so, when you lie, so when you lie down, though, yeah. as a woman, generally things... You know, I called them arm. Your, your boobs become your armpit lovers, don't they? Yes. Well, they. I mean, things move. <laughs> if you're lying on your side, then then your skin and your breast tissue go to one side, or on your back, or on your back. Yes, they become they what find. they call yes, armpit, armpit lovers, lovers. Lovers, right? Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. Oh, they're Mine, just perky and, and straight, up, straight up into the ceiling. Yeah. Wow. Which is just, you know, but conversely, I can't make a cleavage. So where they are is where they are. <laughs> so so you know um i i'm and the other thing you were just mentioning there which i think is really important to to highlight is i um i was really 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 lucky to find one of the only surgeons in australia that actually do does um the mastectomy and reconstruction at the same time oh wow and it was through private right, right. whereas it that is not common okay but one thing that was also really important to me was to keep my nipples um, a lot. Um, uh, that is not always an option. So it's not unusual for people to go through mastectomies and then have to do the reconstruction at a later date. Right. Which means that they will yeah. lose their nipples. But then there's also another entire industry made out of nipple reconstruction and cosmetic surgery around around nipples and tattoos and all that sort yeah. of stuff, which is just, again, something yeah, that blows world. my mind that happens. Um, What's the sensation like? at the feeling i think i know in the blog you mentioned that you had to have some lymph removed so yeah. did, um, is it normal to have feeling or sensation afterwards so no i have no i can't feel my nipples anymore um and again that comes back to such a personal um decision right at the very beginning of the process so some obviously it's you know it's another i guess it's, it's a, a sexual I don't know if you can say sexual organ but it's um it's a part of you sensory know, isn't it it's a sensory um part of your body yeah and so when some women um they are so it that you know it's such an important part of their physical makeup and their sexual well-being and all you know yeah. that they that that's not an option so they no. wouldn't they they have opted to say well i'm going to go for the mastectomy on what on the side that i need to have the cancer removed but there's no way on earth that yeah. i'm losing the other one they still want to feel they want to feel and mm. that for them is the biggest yeah. thing um and 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 that's without even talking about have you had kids yet and do you want to breastfeed and, yes. and, and that's a whole nother you yeah. know a yeah. whole other factor we're going to go to some music it's really um 
it's really important that we have those conversations because if we don't have them, we leave people not knowing and, and then they kind of go to an area where maybe someone hasn't had an experience or they're trying to sell them what the answer is. You know, they're trying mm. to get some money and a client out of it. So thank you. You have no, you have no vested interest in sharing that story, but it's a great <laughs> blog <laughs> and I highly recommend it. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. Welcome back with me, Vic, uh, Lucy and Victoria. Hi. I so nearly call myself Victoria then <laughs> and you Lucy. That would be, that'd be slightly um, schizophrenic behaviour, wouldn't it? Where I've like completely lost who I am. <laughs> no, you've got Lucy here. Um, when we, when uh, so far we've just... You've you've really held our hand through that process that you went through. It's been I, I've it's been really quite a blessing to get up close and personal with you, and you let us in, and I'm grateful for that because I do feel that it will help a lot of people who maybe don't know what 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 happens to someone, how we can support someone who gets a, a diagnosis, but also you know who has a mental health concern that actually doesn't define them but is an important part of our friendship you know so that you can start maybe spotting where someone's not feeling so great how to handle that you know rather Mm -hmm. than see it as defining someone and are running away there are organizations that come into your life when you um, get a diagnosis of cancer that you might never have had contact with before Um, You start seeing people and doing things that you might never have come into contact with before because they're there specifically for that time in your life. The Sam Foundation is one of them and it's a local organisation that um, I've I've had quite a lot to do with but who um, who run the Run for Life event and they were kind enough to get um, uh, Triple H along to to do a live broadcast from there last year which we had great fun which is of course where I got to interview you. Um, can you tell us about what role they played in your life then? Well, in a nutshell, they saved my life. Um, I I got my diagnosis and within 24 hours, I was seeing one of their surgical oncologists. And that was the start of my journey with, you know, with the SAN. Um, and uh, the, the SAN, obviously the SAN hospital is, um, they... The part of the foundation they they are they have the um integrated cancer center yes and it is the most amazing um integrated center um not only do they have the ability to and the the expertise and everybody that you're going to need from a medical point of view they also have everything you could possibly need from an emotional and more alternative medicine point of view Mm. so they um you know there was surgical oncologists my um chemotherapy oncologist there were um uh, support uh, breast cancer support nurses there were um there they have a uh a jacaranda lodge there which is where they coordinate um the uh there's sort of workshops that they do around you know, it could be anything from cancer and sexuality and cancer and nutrition or how do you deal with the new normal after cancer or yeah. whatever it might be yeah 
then they have um uh support groups you can go to um every week and it's not just breast cancer it's any cancer as well so they've got they cover all the cancers um and they've got an acupuncturist and um, free counselling service and they've got reflexologists and then they've also got, um, you know, where the, you can go, all the bloods and pathologies. So it's, it really is, as from a patient point of view, my one-stop shop. I ended up, because the way my surgery worked, I ended up with a car park pass uh. <laughs> because I was a frequent flyer there. Yeah. And they looked after me in so many ways with so many different touch points and everybody cared. I, well, I, not once did I feel like a number, not once did I feel like I'm just a patient. Um, and they have multidisciplinary um, ways of working. So when you speak to people about your case, they all know each other and what they're all... So you're not having to repeat your story every five minutes. Yes. And they're all completely aligned and on the same page on your you know, diagnosis, your treatment, your pro- prognosis and what needs to happen. You know, they've even got a genetic counsellor. So you can go, okay, well, do I have the BRCA gene? And you can go through that process. And there's... It really is and the most amazing centre. I can't speak highly enough, clearly, um, yeah. <laughs> how good they are. It sounds like you've got rounded support, which is... Yeah. And I, I used to work for... I used to volunteer, I should say, at a, a similar setup in the UK in Guildford. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first complementary centres attached to the oncology ward. So mm-hmm. someone would get a diagnosis and they'd wander down the hallway and they could get some counselling straight away. And that was life-changing for them. And you, and it wasn't just the patient, but their family, their close family or their carer could as well. So there was a real understanding, which I believe is at Jacaranda Lodge, that it's, it's of the community that supports mm-hmm. the person who is, in, you know, who is having the treatment. Absolutely. So all of the above that I've just spoken about was absolutely accessible for my, for my husband as well. And, and moreover you know how do we how do we communicate this with our children mm. i had an 18 month and a 5 5 year old at the time right so how do we how do you talk about cancer with children how yeah. do you and that again that's a whole other blog that it was is. in the section and you know Good. we might not go through it now but yeah highly recommend because there are a lo- number of different resources and and i shared how we did that yeah. um and and the, the San were integral in helping me navigate that minefield. Yeah, beautiful. Now, within that, there comes a point where you're going to come through your treatment. In your case, it, you're, you're coming to the end of some of your treatments. Mm-hmm. You've got some messages, though, haven't you? What, what did you want to share? I mean, it... it I know that your life will never be the same again, but there's that almost that are we waiting? What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for a diagnosis to make any changes? I think um, I think there's two things, um, and 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 one is in the, the I guess the cancer community, if I can call it that. Um, there's this kind of catchphrase, if you like, mm. around what's your new normal. Yes. Yes. So 
life will never be the same again. And part of, for me, part of the way that I had to accept that this had happened was to say, my life will never be the same. And these, I need to acknowledge and accept those to be able to lead a different type of normal life. Yeah. So that was huge because the I think for me I fought it I fought it every step of the way I remember a, a, a very black period of time where I was just so angry because I felt so robbed that I could not go back to where I was because I and I, I was scared I would thought well what's going to happen now like if I can't go back to what I was and I can't do the things that I used to do and I'm what's going to happen now so that's one element that I think is really important to acknowledge with people is especially especially if you are you are you know someone who's suffering with cancer it, it, it you don't just expect that because chemo's finished that okay it's fine they're all right now because actually often it's after the chemo's finished and they're not seeing all the regular doctors and they haven't got the medical support, that's often when the wheels fall off. Mm. And it's really common and it happened to me and I know a lot of people it happened to. Mm. And it, and that's unfortunately is where the bit where everyone goes, well, you naturally, I don't begrudge that, but naturally it's where the bit where everyone says, oh, well, you're okay now, let's move on. Yes. But the other bit which I really wanted to say was... Um, don't wait for a life-changing event mm. to change your life. Yeah. And for me, I've changed my life beyond recognition. I've made some enormous decisions about some things that had to change. Yeah. And it was the cancer that shook me, you know, took me by the shoulders and shook me up and down and said, if you do not change this, this is not going to go away. Mm. And a big part of me believes that one of the reasons that I have struggled with mental health and that I have had cancer is because I haven't dealt with the some of the toxic toxicity in my life yeah and the biggest radical thing that I have done is made steps towards eliminating that yeah and I know and it's painful it hurts it's really frightening it's all those things but I know that when I get to the other side my life is going to be more amazing than I ever thought it was possible and so my insight to anyone else is you know in your heart if things are not right so don't wait until something horrendous happens to you or a family member or a friend for you to say life is too short I need to make these changes don't wait because you can do it now. It's painful. It hurts. It's awful. But get the support. Go and find your, what I call your tribe. So your, you know, it might be your psychologist. It might be your best friend. It might be all of the above plus 20 other people. And make those steps. Because 
your future self will be very thankful for it. Why do you think when we know things that are toxic in our lives, why, I mean, maybe you've touched on it already, it's the fear of what life's like without that toxicity because it's been so familiar for so long that we don't know actually how to cope without it. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely think it is fear. I think there's this, what will people think? Um, am I doing the wrong thing? Um they're gonna someone might be angry with me um and so I think for some you know in my situation I had spent a long time trying to please everybody else Mm -hmm. at the detriment of my health I think that's what we're taught to do as a child aren't we Mm -hmm. the moment we get a giggle because you know we get feedback by the fact that we if we smile and we laugh then we get a happy parent and if we don't then we get a you know what's wrong you know come on let's pull you out of that you know and they they you get rewards for what you do and being good and being amazing you learn okay i so i basically won't tell you how i'm feeling i'll just give you the you know the song and dance girl um we we deny who we are in mm. order to get the love um stroke attention that and conform. and conform yeah. hence it builds a toxicity up inside us that at yeah. some point the wheels fall off well you know what it is as well we are then not authentic so what we yeah. are feeling on the inside is not reflected on what's going on on the outside no. so what my pro my the way people might see me on the outside is 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 just not in line with what's going on on the inside and as I said earlier, my transition and my, you know, I guess epiphany, if you like, around if I don't, if I don't tell everyone that this is what I'm dealing with, I'm never going to be able to move forward. And, and that was about making sure that my insides match my outsides. And, and you know what, I, I make no apologies for that anymore. And if you don't like it, if somebody doesn't like it, that says more about them than it does about me. And I hope that this is not about me and my what's happened to me, but I hope that someone might hear this and say, well, actually, I've, I, I need to face some stuff. I need to change some things and, uh, and, get, and find the strength to be able to do it. Victoria Brown, what a perfect way to end the interview. You are a gem that could easily take pride of place on your website, let me tell you, your jewellery website. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us and giving us all a boot up the bottom to say, do not wait. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And would it be okay to share the link of my website in the podcast that we might publish later on? I will share the link to the website. I will also share a link to two TED Talks. One of them is Brene Brown for uh, for vulnerability. I love that TED Talk. And there's another one that I just felt to add because you were talking about fear holding you back. It's actually someone talking about... Um, absolutely going there saying what is the fear rather than looking at why you don't do things why you do do things and what your goals are it's actually saying what are my greatest fears going in there and then and then assessing them and it really helps you go the the really holding back is going to be more detrimental than actually taking Mm. a risk so 
I'll put that one up there as well. Brilliant. But yes, all those links will be on the website. But let's pay attention to the small stuff. Let's maintain that connection with our bodies and stay engaged in life, the good, the bad and the downright ugly, so we can equip ourselves to deal with the challenges we face, as Victoria has said she's done in her life. What is our reality and is our body matching that reality? Do we have anxiety or nervous tension running through our system to a point that we need caffeine, sugar or other stimulants just to even get out of bed and function? And then do we need something to calm us down and settle our minds? It's been a running theme for the past few weeks on this show, so let's just have a look at it. Let's come back to choosing to be the change that we want to see in our world and in the wider world. Remember that regardless of what has or is happening in your life, you still are and always will be amazing because you're you. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something is not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. Look for support in the community because it is there. Now, the podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then please like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page. Links to all of those spaces are available on the Triple H program page. In next week's show, we head back to our series on lying and talk to another Brown, but this time Dragoner Brown from the UK, about truth in politics and the impact this has on our society. I recorded this interview a couple of weeks ago, and it's an absolute corker, so I do hope you will join me for that one. Till next week's show, remember to take a moment to look after you. Connect to the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be loved, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.